Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. It is April 15th, and today's show, we have Brandon Collins, who has won the Autobahn Country Club Spec Miata Series twice, and he is a mere 21 years old. And he didn't actually start racing until... He was about 18. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We cover all that in the podcast and in the interview. Uh, Just a couple quick announcements. Uh, Tonight, the 15th, is the second e-racing series for the Audubon Country Club since we are still under the stay-at-home order in Illinois. Hopefully, that will be uh, uh, broadcast on the Audubon Country Club's YouTube channel. So just go over to YouTube and search for the Audubon Country Club. And that live stream almost worked last week, so hopefully we will get it working this week and you'll be able to watch the racing. There's quite a few participants last week, and we're surely looking forward to having a great time tonight. It is a lot of fun to get together with the friends the best we can, virtually, I guess you might say, while we um, are stuck at home. This is a great outlet for practicing and enjoying racing and our friends. So, let's get started. And let's welcome Brandon Collins on the Audubon Country Club Podcast. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So excited. Brandon Collins, you've been, uh, how long have you been coming out to the to the Audubon Country Club? Since it first opened. So I was about seven, eight years old. Seven or eight years old, that's back in 2004-ish? That's right. Somewhere around there? Yeah, I was here when it was just a cornfield. Wow. Were you first paving the track. Were you youngest? Uh, I was one of the younger original members, yeah. Right along with Britt Casey. We were, we're about the same age. Oh, okay. Yeah. How, how exciting. Was just like super cool to come out here and... Do car stuff and hang yeah. As out. soon as I started coming here, just I lost all hope for any other sport. <laughs> <laughs> In school, I tried basketball, tried baseball, but you know, since this place opened, there was just no hope for me doing any <laughs> other sport. So this this was it, huh? Yeah, this uh, was my playground. So how old? You said you were seven, seven, seven or so coming out here. Yeah. Wow. And the car track wasn't open yet, though, was it? Uh, no. But as soon as it did open, I got my first go kart. Cool. Yeah. And what, what kind of go-kart was that? It was a Tony kart. It was a 125cc rock engine, water-cooled, way too powerful for my age. I was eight at the time. Um, so I learned really quickly how to drive a go-kart. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was there a lot of go-kart stuff going on? I mean, there's massive amounts now. Was there a lot of stuff back then that was going on? Not back then. I remember they had a little racing series that I took part in a little bit. Um, I saw Brick Casey when we were younger, um, but I really wasn't into go-kart racing too much back then. Um, I really got into it around 2013. That's when my go-karting career really took off. Okay, so you're about 14, 15 years old? That's right. Is it about about that time? Yeah. Yeah, and so you you live close by here, close by the Audubon? No, I live in Oak Park, Illinois, so about an hour away from here. Oh, okay, so yeah, that's up north ish yeah it's directly west of the city okay and so we're doing this interview here in the winter uh 2019 2020 almost and 
You're 21 now? That's right. 21? Actually, I just turned 22 two days ago. Oh, oh very good. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Christmas baby, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you ever get... So my wife was two days ago, my daughter's today, and we first started dating. She said, never get me the Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday gift. Did you ever get Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday gift? I, all the time. You didn't like it, did you? It's, it's annoying a little bit, but I manage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've never gotten her a, a Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday birthday gift. My sister, mine's in February. My sister's is in, is in the summer. And so my parents always had a lot of extra money. Well, not a lot of extra money, but they always had more money to spend on gifts in the summer because they were still recovering from Christmas gifts when my birthday came around. So she always got, she always got the best gifts, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's great though because everyone's in the celebrating mood, especially around Christmas time. And are you you're in school, right? Yes, yeah, so I'm a senior at DePaul University. Oh, and what are you studying? Real estate. Interesting. Yeah. It's not, not too many people study real estate. A lot of people don't even know that could be a major. Um, but I've grown up in a family that's been in real estate. And so I've just been surrounded by it my whole life. And I jumped right into it when I found out I could study it as a major. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. And so well, you obviously, your dad was obviously big involved out here when they first started, right? Was he? Was he's, he a- he's not a founding member, but he, he's a banker. And so he helped with a lot of financing, going over the numbers of the original construction of this place. Okay. And he, he obviously joined up early. He did. And he's races or did race or does, does race or he mostly races in the Porsche club and we keep our cars here and he's done a couple of races here as well. Um, and, uh, he, he's here all the time, just like me. We absolutely love this place. Um, but I, I'm partake in the member racing mostly here. Okay. Did he, did he race before he joined? Did he race in Porsche club before he joined here? He did. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's done it quite a, did he race his whole life? Is he? No, he started racing in about 2002. And, uh, the first race that I ever went to with him was at road America mm-hmm. for a DE event with the PCA club. Mm-hmm. And immediately that's when I first got into cars. Drive high performance driver's education, the PCA's Porsche club of America. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of Porsches at the at PCA events, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. Sometimes there's a Corvette trying to pick on the Porsche, but <laughs> I saw a really fast Mustang. My very first one, one of the fastest guys there had a one of those S two Boss four oh Boss three oh two. Boss three oh two, yeah, S two I think is what it was or something like that. Anyway, he was fast. He was fast. Yeah. Those um, are cool cars. I actually drove a three oh two recently. That was a lot of fun. Oh, did you like it? Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, my. my first time driving a V8 race car. Was it cool? It was amazing. Oh, very cool. Um, so he started there and then brought some cars out here, he said. He keeps some cars out here, and then, then you were here all the time then? Yeah. After that? Every weekend, <clears throat> every chance I got, I always asked my dad, could, I, could we go to Audubon? You know. Um, you have brothers, sisters? I have one older brother, and he is nothing he has no interest in cars. Me and him are exact opposites, but we still get along. Okay, so, good. Still great friends, but he's really into traditional sports, and I completely took a different path into racing. And uh, we have this joke that we're complete opposites. I'm left-handed, he's right-handed. I have brown hair, he has blonde hair. The two of us could not be more different. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, well, that's cool. So... You are kart racing here, 
And then you said in when you were about 14 or so, you, you started really getting in more into kart racing. Did you start expanding and going around? And Yeah, so when we started racing, or not really racing, but driving my go-kart here, uh, we started to meet other members, and they said, hey, you know, they actually have racing series, traveling racing series for these things. And back then, we had no idea that you could race a go-kart. So we decided to go to the Rusty C6 series, and that's when I started racing the KT100 class. And I did that for many years up until I was about 18 years old. And um, it just kept snowballing from that. I traveled all over the place to, you know, Wisconsin, uh, Indiana, Florida, California. And I got really into it. And that's when I really started to get serious about racing. Wow. So you traveled everywhere. Wow. That's. Yeah. It was a lot of, a lot of dedication. It definitely took a lot of time out of school, but I still managed to get by. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I didn't know you had that much karting experience all over everywhere. Where's some of your favorite places to, to race? Um, my favorite place is in Florida. So for four years from 2016 on, I raced in the Florida winter tour and we go to places like Homestead, Ocala, uh, Orlando kart center. And some of those tracks are just absolutely amazing. And, um, thankfully now Audubon's kart track with it, being completely rebuilt is actually, I think, in my opinion, better than those tracks. Wow. So I can't wait to see the car track here start expanding and coming, bringing in new drivers as well. Wow. Interesting. And so did you keep your cart down there? Did you guys and just fly in for the weekend? For how? No, we actually towed our go-kart down there every time. Oh, so you drove, had drove down yeah. there? Yeah. Once a month, we would drive all the way down to Florida with our truck and trailer and our whole cart set up and wow. compete down there. Which was a challenge, but it was a great learning experience having to tune my own cart against some of those other teams because many kids, especially in that series, are under a tent with the manufacturer like OTK, CRG. And so it was a great tool having to learn how to keep up with those guys. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we've considered, we, we thought this year we would try to get down to Florida and do some stuff with my son. and. It came, November came and went very quickly. We didn't go. December's came and went. There's a, two races in January, I think. I think we are going to go to February, though, down by Homestead and race down there. Mm-hmm. That's a great, I highly recommend it. It's great, especially in the wintertime. That'll be our first. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to do that. We'll see how it all, how it all yeah. but, spans out here. Yeah. Carding is very important. It doesn't matter what age you are. I'm definitely going to keep my go-karts as a tool to just keep my timing. It's a great way to stay in shape as well. Um, it's just great to learn how to tune something, whether that be a go-kart or a car. And um, so that's always something I'm going to keep as one of my tools for driving. Wow. Yeah, I I think it's great. And my, my, my son's next year is going to have to probably do more he can do quite a bit now, but he's going to have to do more, I think, on his own. He'll be 16 in June, so he can drive just take his own stuff for his own race. I don't even have to go anymore. He's doing the Ignite <laughs> series here. Is that right? Yeah, he did the Ignite series here, and he did the um, uh, Ignite Challenge series, the traveling series. And we went to Indy for the Brickyard. That was oh, the that's so race. cool. I wanted to do that race, but just couldn't find the time. Huge. Was it 500 carts or something like that? I mean, I can't remember yeah. the number, but it was, it was a lot. That's was awesome. A lot. It was a lot of fun. Wow. I do look forward to, to doing that one again um, this year. It was, it was cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, those LS206s have really took off. I'm surprised. Yeah, I think his, well, the senior division, which he just moved up into, had 80 carts, I think, in the Ignite series. I think there were 60 or 80. I had the numbers. I'm sure I said that on the podcast, how many were there, but it was huge. Yeah. It was massively huge. Yeah. I don't know how excited I am about throwing him out there with 80 other killers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This past year, I was running Cup Carts North America, and for the Grand Nationals at Newcastle in Indianapolis Uh there, we had 72 carts in the senior class. Wow. Yeah. All starting at the same time. Wow. It was absolutely amazing. And actually, surprisingly, some of the top drivers that were in the Florida Winter Tour back in those days, they have actually switched to LO206 because that's just where the competition is now. It's just such a great package, and it's just such an equal playing field. It is. Yeah. It is. And the more I learned about trying to fix the cart and do something different with the cart, the more it was obvious that it really is in that program. It really is the driver. Yeah. It was so much the driver. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good old 125 two-stroke water-cooled engine, but when it comes down to seat time and competition, L206 is where it's at. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it Seems to be, and I, I don't think it's going anywhere. It seems to be growing and growing. So, uh, how did you get into car racing? So, what, what was the first time you jumped into a into a car? Into a car, yeah. Um, uh, kind of by accident, really. We are friends with uh, Bill Craig, who owns a garage here, and he rents out spaces. And uh, one of his tenants had this brand new spec Miata that he didn't really drive, and so he asked if it us if we'd like to buy it and we did and so as one of my birthday presents my dad gifted me this miata and the following season following april is when i did my first miata race and you were um, i was uh 18 at the time 18 okay so um and i kind of know the story a little bit so you, you went out there and you did pretty good on the first (laughs) Yeah, so I really didn't practice with that Miata at all. Uh, The only practice I had was that morning of the race. (laughs) And I I went out there, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um, You know, I'm probably not going to win this race, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Uh, I had some driving experience before then in my dad's Porsche 944, but other than that, I didn't really have any car experience. So we get into qualifying, and I just drive as hard, as fast, and consistent as I possibly could. I gave it everything I had at the time. And I get out of the car, and people start walking up to me, and they start shaking my hand. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I probably didn't do too bad. And Tony Kester walks up to me. He's like, you should probably look at the time that you got. I think you're going to be happy. And so I walk into the members' building, and I look up at the scoring board, and I see my name at the top on pole position. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was very, very shocked. And uh, that was my first wake-up call to really go after racing Miatas. And, you know, coming fresh out of karting, I was a little too aggressive that first race that day. Um, I was starting on pole, super nervous, completely overcooked the second turn, and I hit someone else on track, went spinning off, and that was my intro into members racing here <laughs> so it did it didn't go smoothly i had a i think i left a pretty big bang pretty big first impression but i had a lot to learn 
And did you end up finishing the race? Did you get back on the track? I got back on the track. I think I finished 12th or 13th, something like that. Not too great. And I was so heartbroken that I completely messed up the first couple turns. And I, I felt like I looked like a complete idiot, but I picked myself up and I started practicing more. And uh, later on that season, I won my first race. Oh, so your first season you won a race? My yeah. first season. In SM1. I was never in SM2. Oh, okay. I jumped. I jumped. I hit the ground running, basically. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How much did you practice? Um, that season, as much as I possibly could. So every Friday after school, I would try and make the last session of the day. And then all weekend, every single day, I was out here practicing. And uh, I didn't have any data. I was just going by feel. Just I would look at the fast time board in the members building, and I would be, all right, that's my goal. I'm going to try and get as close to that as possible. And every day, I would get closer and closer. Just... Tenth by tenth, turn by turn, just getting faster and faster. And were you messing with the car a lot? I mean, you were you were working on the car. Did you work on your, the car at all a little bit? Or um, I tried to improve my driving as much as I could before I started messing with the car. Mm-hmm. I knew the car definitely had more potential, but I knew my driving had to be improved before before I started tuning the car. A lot of drivers try to do the, that at the same time, but. Um, I like to focus on my driving first before I start attacking the car. Um, that's also how I learned new tracks is I'll focus on my driving before I start tuning the car. Because if you're taking a turn completely wrong, then the car's going to handle differently once you start taking it the proper way. Oh, sure. Yeah, that so, makes sense. At least that's how I approach it. But that's how I did. I just focused on one thing and one turn at a time. Just kept, kept uh, chipping away at it. And what, what do you think are some of the, the keys to your success that you had right off the bat? I mean, you have, we'll talk about some of your unbelievable success you have going on right now. Um, definitely utilizing the coaches here, Tom Bagley and Tony Kester. Actually, Tom Bagley's the one who taught me how to drive stick shift oh, yeah? <laughs> in my Miata. And uh, we were just driving around the track a little bit. And he really is the one that showed me how to drive a car properly, how to take corners. He told me a lot about how a car is much different than a go-kart. A car is much slower with a suspension and steering, whereas in a go-kart, it's very quick. You got no suspension. You need to change axles. And uh, so it was definitely a big learning curve, switching from go-karts to cars. Um, But definitely getting help from other people is the biggest tool, biggest asset you can have to becoming faster at least for me just getting yes everybody asking everybody for help exactly that is pretty incredible here at the Audubon Country Club I think is because a lot of people are here all the time it's the same people you don't just see one person at a race to get help you can come out on a Wednesday and get help come out on a Tuesday morning and get help Mm -hmm. uh you know, somebody's here that you can ask questions to, and I'm sure a lot of people are asking you questions now as you're probably <laughs> probably fulfilling that role as the as the person with the answers. It's very humbling when people ask me for my help. <laughs> I find it amazing, too, um, because I never thought I would ever be in that position. Um, but, yeah, this place is just fantastic. Not only can you get as much seat time as you possibly could almost any day of the week, but you can get help from anyone as well whether that be from the driving coaches or other members. And um, you can even branch out because this place is now recognized as a serious racing group, which it is. And um, so 
um, people take you very seriously when you say you're from Audubon Country Club. And, you know, I'm very proud of, to say that I'm a member at Audubon as well. Yeah, so the so you were 18 when your first series, first race series, that would have been uh, four years ago, so 15? 2016. 2016? Yeah. And 2017, how'd that, you raced the whole series again that year? I raced the whole series. And you've um, had the same car the whole time? Same car the whole time. Yeah. Different motors? Yeah. So the first, after the first race, uh, my engine failed on me. I spun a rod bearing and it oh, wow. crapped out. And uh, Jack Murphy at the time, he was impressed by my first race. And he said, hey, I have this old engine in my garage and you can have it. I have no use for it. So you can put that in your car to make the next, next race. So ever since that second race that first season i've had the same engine in my car and mind you he had three race seasons on that engine when he gave it to me he thought that engine was worn out and so i've done four race seasons which makes it seven race seasons on this one engine and it's still fast and as you know jack murphy passed away and so to remember him i keep a jack murphy sticker on the valve cover of that engine (laughs) Wow. I call it Murphy's engine. Murphy's engine. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And how did you do the next season, your second season? How did you do? Uh, I got better. I won, I think, four or five races. I think I finished third. I didn't show up to a couple of races. I, I believe I finished third in the championship. And uh, But I got better. The competition was very tough, as it is every year. Racing against Antoine, um, Jamie Gleitzman, Matt Alexander. And um, so that was just a great season to learn off of as well. You know. So you're in, so we have two s- different Miata s- series, the SM2 and the SM, SM1 or SM. And the SM2 is supposed to be club kind of club racing sm supposed to be serious racing where guys are spending you know tons of money on motors and everything else sounds to me like you just can drive really well <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, i i do joke around a lot uh eurosport here takes care of my car mostly and uh, they joke around that my car is the least well-maintained car here <laughs> it looks the most beat up it definitely has the most repairs on it um but yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's very tough in an SM1, especially nowadays. And uh, you definitely have to be on your game, both on track and off track, to make it to the front. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, SM1 and SM2 are two different race groups. SM2 is more for drivers who aren't as dedicated, who can't make it out every weekend of practice. You know, aren't as fast. So we put them in a separate group. SM1 is for guys like me that are trying to drive balls to the wall and uh, really go for the fastest laps and best finish as possible. Yeah, so how? So that's the first couple of seasons. So last year, how did you do? In the, I mean, not in 2019, but the 2018 series, right? The 2018 series was uh, pretty good. I got a new track record the first race of the season on full track. So I set a new lap record on full track. And um, I finished second in the championship overall. And I won, I believe, eight or nine races out of the 14. Wow. 
And then comes this year, 2019, and you just are tearing it up. <laughs> yeah, I think I finally figured it out this past season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a, probably an understatement. Did you win every race? I didn't win every race, no. Uh, I believe I won nine races. I could be mistaken. It might be eight. Out of 12? I showed up to 12 races. 12 races. Right. And uh, won the championship. Mm-hmm. That's right. Very prestigious. I won the championship in 2018 and 19. Oh, you won it the year before, uh, too. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think I said I finished second. I finished second in 2017, and I won 2018 and 19. Holy cow. Back-to-back championships. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. Do you still do you still practice a lot when you come out? Do you still practice a lot? Um, I know I don't really practice anymore here. I try and conserve my car because like I said, my car is <laughs> it's the it's the least maintained car, uh, jokingly. But I try and save my car for the season. Um also I won this past season on three sets of tires. Um, we're allowed four sets of tires, and normally you need all four sets. But since I was trying to be as conservative, conservative as possible this year to save the car, I was able to finish on three sets and still win the championship. Wow. And yeah, so you get four sets of tires. That's so that everybody's – we try to control the cost a little bit so that everybody's not buying a brand-new set of tires every single race. The only way to be competitive. Well, obviously, you've shown them that taking care of your tires – which I hear, you know, when I watch the Formula One race, we talk, we hear them talk about it all the time about how they're t- trying to take care of their tires and the drivers talking back and forth. And, you know, I just never considered that in the yeah, auto racing, quite honestly. I just figured you just drove, but it sounds like you've also have that under control where you can, you can feel the car and feel how much you're, how much energy you're taking you're putting in the tires or you're taking out of the tires? I'm not sure how that works, right? Do you put energy in the tires or do you take energy out of the tires? Um, that's a great question. I don't really know. I would guess you're taking energy out of the tires because it, they won't hold as much friction at the end of their life cycle. But that was actually planned at the beginning of the season. That was my goal going into the 2019 season was to finish on three sets of tires. Um, just as a challenge to myself and... Um, a challenge to figure out planning strategy, um, calculate how many laps I can do on each set of tires. And um, it really helped tone down my driving as well, not driving so aggressive because you know you can't win a race if you don't finish it. And I had that issue in the past from mm-hmm. driving over aggressively and being too abusive to the car. And that's something I've had to learn and control and get better at. And I feel like I've actually mastered that now. Hmm. And you're still doing kart. You did how many kart races did you do last year? I just did two kart races this past season, um, mostly for fun. Some of some of it's to keep my timing, stay in shape. Um, one of my biggest mentors in life has been a man named Jim Perry. He mm-hmm. owns CKT Engines out in St. Charles, and I believe you've um, been to his shop before yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, kart uh, shop. Fantastic guy. He's taught so many drivers over the years he's been in business for over 30 years and his experience and knowledge really shows that and he really puts in the time and energy to make sure that you can do as well as possible he's actually became a part family to me Uh, i call him dad number two (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so he's taught me so much and i definitely couldn't be where i am today without him yeah i ran into him yeah he's out at the Custom no, concept haulers cart 
track. Yeah, yeah. he goes to Concept Hollers a lot. He yeah. runs the Route 66 USPKS and now Cup Carts North America. Those are the three series that he mostly competes in. Um, that's where most of his customers go. Um, but, yeah, he's just been a fantastic mentor nice. over the years. So the other exciting thing you had going on this year is you won the championship here and you got a call from... I got a call from Mazda Motorsports. It was actually an email. An email? Yeah. And uh, funny story about that. Is so, so how do you get your email out there for them to find it? Uh, well, <laughs> Mazda actually called the race director here, Mike Gritter, and okay. they asked him, um, you know, who, who would you recommend for our scholarship program? And luckily he said my name. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was emailing back and forth with them, and uh, he accidentally cc'd me in one of the emails he was having uh-huh. with them and i saw it i'm like this is very strange i don't understand exactly what this is and a couple hours later i get an email from mazda saying congratulations you've been nominated for the mazda road to 24 shootout and i immediately started like laughing and jumping with joy because it was just amazing i never thought i would ever be nominated for that i've always looked at that as a dream Ever since carts, I knew about the 24 shootout, but never in my wildest dreams would I ever take part in it. And uh, I think it's just amazing that now a member here um, in the Miata series can come here, race a full season, do well, and be recognized by a manufacturer and be enrolled in a scholarship program like that. Yeah, I think it's that's huge. a huge accomplish- accomplishment on Autobahn's part. And it just shows how serious we take it here, racing. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And, and so that, what exactly is the, is, the, is the shootout? What exactly is that? So it's called the Mazda Road to 24 Shootout. And it's a scholarship program, basically. It is a tool to help younger drivers, not really younger drivers, but grassroots drivers, have the, an outlet to become a professional driver if they want to. And so they select 20 or so top drivers in the country from recognized racing series. And uh, they're asked to put together a proposal, a video proposal, put together the resume and a letter. And they look at all that of all 28 drivers, is how many was this past year, and they select six to move to the final shootout. Luckily, I was selected as one of the six. So no driving yet. That's just on a paperwork thing and a video. Right. And they they, wheeze, they they take it down, whittle it down from 28 to 6. That's right. Because the shootout, it's not just to find the fastest driver. They're trying to find the whole package. They're trying to see who is the most professional, who is the most marketable, who actually has a plan, how are they going to get their funding. And, you know, driving is a factor, but they're really trying to look at who could have a successful career in racing if they win this shootout because you're not only representing yourself you're going to be representing Mazda as well in this shootout and so they want to find a a good um, a good candidate to represent their brand moving forward so that's why they have the uh, video proposal the written and the interviews as well so six six drivers um 
females? Any females? Yes, there was. Uh, there is quite a few females that were selected as one of the twenty-eight. Unfortunately, no females got selected as part of the six, but there has been in, in the previous past. years. Mm-hmm. And where do they do this? Where and they get them all, all these six drivers mm-hmm. compete? Yeah. So th- this year we did it in North Carolina at the Michelin Tire Proving Grounds, and um, so. In previous years, it was all combined in one day at a racetrack. This year, with, um, you know, under new management and taking a different approach, they expanded it out to two days. So the first day, it was all interviews with different people, like the uh, manager of motorsports at Michelin. Uh, You interview with some Mazda drivers, and then you interview with some people from Mazda as well. And so... You're doing all those back to back because they're trying to get a sense of every topic, whether that be your business plan, your driving strategy, your technical background, and uh, just really your personality in general. And then the second day is the driving portion. And they had two brand new MX-5 Cup cars. We were given our own assigned set of tires. And every session, they would swap on our individual's tires, and we would go out onto this track. Interesting. Yeah. And then you would come back, sit down with a driving coach, go over data, and figure out how you can improve. And so that driving portion was structured just like a typical race weekend. Three sessions, and then the final two rounds of racing. And they are doing that to test how you're going to react under pressure, how quickly you can adapt to a new track and to a new car and how well you take feedback from the data analysis. And so they combine all of this, the written, the video, the driving, and that's how they find their winner. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot. It's, it takes a lot of work to compete in this. How did you find, did you like the car? Is that the first time you'd driven one of those cars? It was not my first time, but they have a brand new package called the ND2, and this year they are coming out with a sequential transmission really? for the ND, yeah, which is extremely fun to drive. If you can buy a ND2 Cup car, I highly recommend it. <laughs> is, is this going to be more expensive, or I believe they're going to be a little more expensive, but definitely a bang for the buck with what you're getting. Yeah, I'd heard a rumor that maybe there'd be a lesser. They come out with a lesser price car. Yeah, try to help re- re- replace the, the spec Miatas that we all have now, the older ones. Yeah, they're, so now they're coming out with an MX-5 uh, spec car. You know, much like the NAs and NB Miatas that we drive now, now they're coming out with a spec package for the NC Miatas. And I think that's going to be the next package to take over what we're racing now. And I think that's another fantastic package. And I think we're definitely going to move into that in the future. It's the it's the next generation of spec Miata racing, I believe. So the so the MX five is not considered spec racing. No, it is. It's it's going to be another spec class, just another generation of Miata, because oh. you can't race uh, an NA or an NB against an NC because they're such different cars. Right. So hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I can't wait to to, to see that. Uh, how about what years your Miata there? Yeah, yeah. Mine is a 1999. 99? Yeah. Yeah, we have a 97. 
you know, I mean, yours is 20 years old too, right? It's a 20 year old. They're, they're old cars. So they're definitely car, showing right? their age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I would just be excited to get something a little bit newer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which would be, I'd be, I'd be all for that. So how did you find, see, so love the car, great car. And how did you find the coaching? Did you find it interesting? Was it interesting to see their coaching philosophy? Or Yeah, it was fantastic. I was so surprised of how much I learned during the experience. And it was just such a friendly environment. Everyone was super supportive, gave fantastic feedback uh, to the point where it really didn't feel like a competition. It just felt like a cool, fun day hanging out at the racetrack with some awesome people. Um, and... I think that was by design, but I was just amazed and blown away how awesome of an experience it was and just amazed of the people that I met as well. And so you ended up third, is that right? Uh, technically, if you want to call it that, I finished third. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so we had the six drivers and at the end of the day, they narrowed it down to two drivers. Um, I was supposed to be one of the two finalists, but then um, uh, one of the drivers made a very impressive lap time, I'll admit, and he knocked me out of the finals. Oh, man. So I missed it by a little bit, but it's okay because I learned so much. I had such a great experience. I met so many great people that I don't really feel like I lost. Were the same ages? Were the other guys about the same age? Uh, about the same age. Most of them were. There was... Uh, a kid, Matthew Dirks, I believe he's 18. He was the youngest. He was the youngest. And the oldest was a man named Trey Ayers. I'm not quite sure how old he was, but he was definitely much older than the rest of us. Jared, um, Arthur, and um, Aaron, we were all around the same age. And different from all over the country? Yep. Yeah. From... The west to the east. So, was west. anybody a member of a club like like here, or that has, were they all just? Yeah. So uh, McAleer, he was from uh, Monticello Motor Club up in the uh, northeast, and so that's similar to Audubon, similar club, and that's really how he got into the shootout as well. So I think that's just fantastic that you can now join a club and then be nominated right. for a scholarship right. program like this. And it's just a fantastic step forward, especially in our sport as well. And so I hope more people pursue uh, the club and spec me out of racing. Were all the other racers, did they race the N, A, or N, B? No. So about half of us actually didn't race Miatas. Aaron raced the Lucas Oil series, which is open wheel. And Trey Ayers raced open-wheel cars as well. I'm not quite sure oh, really? what he drove. But you don't necessarily have to drive a Miata to be nominated for this program. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the what's this next year, 2020, look like? I'm trying to figure out my options right now. I've kind of taken a step back and really asked myself if this is now something I want to uh, pursue. Because I have grown up in a family with in business. And this has always just been fun for me, but this has been a wake up call and I'm now considering pursuing this as a career. You know, I'm not like Rick Casey where at 15, I decided that I was going to be a professional race car driver. This is something that's very new to me. So now I'm observing my options and paths that I could take, but from here on, I'm all in and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. 
Well, you obviously, I think, have, there's no question, the skills there. And your presentation here, I mean, any sponsor would be crazy not to not to ride your co- coattails <laughs> in, in, in racing. And I think you'd be a fantastic representative of, of anybody that, you know, any product or, or company that, that wanted to get their name out there. I think you'd be, you know, you're the guy that I think they'd be very happy and, and proud to be associated with. Thank you. I don't want to say what path I'm going to take because I'm not quite sure yet, but, um, I'm definitely trying to find and pull together all the resources to make it possible. Um, you know, even though I didn't win the shootout, I'm moving forward and utilizing everything I learned from that experience because I've learned more year, more things in these past couple of days at the shootout than I have in years of racing. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Um, not only from driving, but also personally as well, just being more professional figuring out how you're going to make a career out of racing because that's actually something very hard to pull off, especially for a long term. And so I learned tons of information about how to do that, where I can go to find those resources and, uh, you know, learn how to public speak, how to do interviews. And I also learned a lot of technical knowledge as well. Yeah. Fantastic. And so you're going to be returning for the race series here. I, I might for a couple for a couple races. I, I just might, but I'm going to try and uh, branch out because I'm trying to utilize the feedback that I gotten. I was actually the least experienced driver in this shootout. I was one of the at-large bid contestants, mm-hmm. which is basically, all right, we're going to give these people a chance, even though they don't quite have the resume to be in this shootout. We're going to give them a chance because they show potential. And so I was one of the people that showed potential. And some of the feedback that they gave me was that I need to expand to get experience at other tracks. Mm-hmm. I've been to tracks like Daytona, VIR, Road America, but I need to go to places like Sebring, uh, Road Atlanta, and just really expand my world so that I can better understand racing and just get more experience and more check marks on my resume as well. Nice. Nice. Well, thanks for spending the afternoon here with us and your flexibility to come over here and thank you very much join us for the podcast is great hearing your story and i think that uh you know you're an inspiration i know you're an inspiration of my family my son's 15 and a half so pretty good inspiration there he's he's always watching what's going on and what what you're doing being a younger one of the younger drivers (laughs) out there there's a couple of the other ones that that are in the group out there but you've obviously done very very well yeah, I really hope because I, I enjoy watching the younger Carters, especially here at the club. And I really hope that I see them move up to cars someday and have opportunities like I have to be nominated for programs such as this or, you know, not even programs such as this, but be able to have a career in racing if they want to. Yeah, that's very cool. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.